Oh, it's your favorite time of the week. All your work is done, and it's time to relax. So come, grab some friends, and let's get lit and join the rotation. You are now in the rotation with Suncoast Normal. We are your host, your Suncoast Normal Executive Board, and we say it's time to legalize it. Sunday, but it's not. No, it's not. It's it's Thursday for for a great reason because it's a special day with a special guest and it's a special time to jump into a rotation. Now we don't, we have two thirds of our trio of uh, masters of the cannabis here today. I am your uh, <laughs> co-host, uh, Gary, the uh, political director for Sun Coast Normal, <laughs> and to my right, your left is Carlos Ermita, our deputy director and our master of business administration, who lets us know exactly how much our money is going out the window. <laughs> Hi, everybody, <laughs> <laughs> and. Uh, I have to say this, gentlemen, start your engines, (laughs) because today we have a very special guest, and that is uh, IMSA and Indy race car driver, rookie of the year, and then all of a sudden just kind of dropped out of racing for a few years. We can't figure out why, but I think think he's going to go ahead and tell us exactly what exactly happened to him as I guess he got into the um, supply chain issue. Uh, of cannabis in the early 1980s. <laughs> yeah, he was he was a supply yeah. chain um, facilitator. Uh, that's the best way to call it, right? For for those of the you that don't uh, speak Gary Stein, he he smuggled marijuana. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Randy Lanier. <laughs> Yay! Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to say that you were responsible for that brickweed that I was smoking for sixteen dollars an ounce. At, at Michigan no. State University, but it's very possible. Yeah, a, a lot of people may have seen Randy from his recent uh, Netflix documentary um, where they discussed everything that's going on. Randy's got a book coming out. Uh, he's helping people that have been uh, 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 arrested for in false, uh, hor- uh, what do you call that? Falsely imprisoned for cannabis or whatever. Or I think that's a different term, yeah. but that, that is, that is unjustly in prison. The, the, the book is just getting ready to hit the stands, correct? Yep. Uh, the book's coming. I just happened to got a pre-ordered book. It's coming out August the 2nd. Kind of excited. Uh, first time publisher. Uh, worked on it. And just really got blessed. Uh, just signed it. Uh, ink to deal with feature film now. So in the process of uh, getting a, a screen board uh, for the studio, and we can discuss that at a later time. That's, that's got to be exciting. How, how much time did it take you to write that book? About five days a week for about eight months. I uh, did a couple of rewrites. Uh, take on it would have been a, about a thousand pages. The publishing house, uh, 90,000 words, which was 
32 pages. So I got a second book um, later. Um, just because maybe I'm long-winded with storytelling. A lot of stories <laughs> in the decade that went by you know, since I started smuggling in South Florida and California and New York and New Orleans, uh, a few states. And kind of amazing because the demand was there, gave him the supply, and kind of, it, it, it was never out of, of weed that I could bring in and it would be gone within days from 170,000. I froze. You froze? What's up? Uh oh. There, oh, he's there. Okay, now we're having a little, a little difficulty here. Like you're, you're freezing up a little bit. That's for the, the lovely uh, internet connection we have here in Ybor City where it all began. <laughs> But I am interested in knowing how in, how in the world did you get involved in, in smuggling in the first place? Well, Gary, growing up in South Florida, uh, my first boat was a ski boat, and that took me a lot around all the marina, intercoastals. And at 19, I'd been selling weed for fun, selling weed when I was 15. Bought me a 27 foot Magnum. And about six months after purchasing the Magnum, and it just continually in loads until I bought my own 68 foot trawler, and then that took off into. So the boat's so getting even bigger. Bigger, the money kept on coming in. So, so as like anything else, of you grow and learn. So we just develop ways to bring in bigger loads of cars. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but like, like I sold marijuana when I lived in South Florida. You know what I mean? Like I, I sold a little bit of weed here and there. Not at the um, same volume. But definitely not at the <laughs> same volume. But that, that's kind of the point what, that I'm trying to make. Like you there there was a point man and 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 like like was it just that you you got the boat because you thought it was cool and then like like all of a sudden like had an aha moment where you're like you know what maybe i can make a lot of money using this cool boat that i just bought smuggling marijuana or was was it just like 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 how did that come about that's that's a big step smuggling marijuana from uh, into yeah. the country so, from sweet in miami like this of people is so <laughs> I bought the, the 27 foot magnum um as a toy out and have fun and jump, jump waves and uh -huh. you know enjoy it and that came up to to run a load in my first load was 700 pounds for whatever reason wow it was a calm night it was a calm night it all that had to do was really the no waves, calm, everything worked out. First load was probably the easiest load. But then after that, I started. Usually something always happens in almost every load. It just mm -hmm. doesn't go like it did. And um, just being in South Florida in the 70s was a lot of, of big time drug smugglers. Mm -hmm. And I them and one thing led to another to where I ended up smuggling for quite a few 
So when you sell marijuana, right, there's a big difference between somebody that sells marijuana and somebody that sells harder drugs, right? Um, you were thrown into prison with a lot of pretty hardcore criminals, right? Did you have any issues kind of adjusting to that? Was there any issues with that? Um, I was a child receiving a natural death sentence. They sentenced me to remaining bound to my natural life for a, a case that they never found any of my marijuana. I, I've got what's called a drug. What? I, did I bring the weed in? Absolutely. I brought every <laughs> pound of it in. I, but, but they never found any weed. It was a dry case. So uh-huh. I got sent off to, to the prison. I went into what's called a medium it's kind of soft and easy and not that it's that soft but it's it's and violence and it is in maximum custody i was in prison for about a year and got an escape investigation and got sent to leavenworth which is a maximum security spent the remaining 26 years in maximum security. But I had to wear an orange card, a good size orange card, about bigger than your driver's license. Well, actually, about six times bigger than your driver's license. They wanted me to wear it for two hours. I had to report to a an officer every one hour, every one one hour on the holidays, every one hour on the weekends, I had to find an officer and tell him who I am and for him to call the control unit. And he would call the control unit saying that I was in the rec department, law library, rec yard unit, or, or chow hall. Or so for those 18 years, it's like they had that boot on my neck and a pretty secure getting caught up in these escape investigations. And I would end up in solitary confinement because that's what they do. If they think you're escaping, they'll lock you out of my. Were you really trying? Were you really trying to escape? I was trying to go. Look, I had when I first went in, I had a natural life sentence and a ton of money, so it was probably Uh you know telling me I could get in and get done. So I was kind of on that of uh, being successful, smuggling, everything else. Um, so I thought, thought I could that. figure it out. If the, court, if the courts couldn't figure it out, I would figure it out myself. That cost me seven years and 27 years that I spent in independent penitentiary. So adjusting, I'll tell you real simple. Every person on this planet, we have a lot of things in common. In common is adoptability. We all can adopt to any situation. So if it's a hardship, financial ability, uh, relationship, chronic pain, we, we all have the ability to change stance and situation. It's, it's like if this creator gave, gave us gifts within us and wanted the gifts is to be able to change the experience that you are going through. It's a hardship, financial, relationship, emotional. 
All you have to do is change your experience, and it truly works. Uh, how did uh, how how did they catch you? <laughs> <laughs> well, I I got too full of myself. I I had a house down in Antigua with a boat, a sixty foot. I was living over in, in Switzerland. I had fled. I tried to negotiate at the U.S. Department of uh, Justice uh, um, in Southern Illinois with the uh, my attorneys talked talk to them for, for months and months. And, and um, my first initial offer was 18 years, but it had to be complete cooperation and complete shot back. I'd give them 20 years complete um, forfeiture, but no, and they said, no, it's nothing like that. It's complete cooperation, uh, nothing at all. Back with 25 years, complete forfeiture and complete, uh, and they didn't accept that. So when it came up, it was getting, they was going to indict me. Um, and they did indict me while I was in South Florida. My wife was pregnant with twins, and when all this came about with the racing and the smuggling, one of our twins, and my son was born without his brother, and seven days after on this case. So, Randy, uh, we we talked a lot about you getting caught with marijuana, but you are a race no. car driver. <laughs> what happened? No, no, no marijuana. Caught with no marijuana. Oh, you just caught, it, it, it's kind of like Richard DeLisi. They didn't catch him with anything either, but they, but they ended up putting him in jail for like 28, 28 years as well. Yeah, yes. well, that's that's bullshit. But I do want to pay attention to your to your racing career. Um, my father, as I mentioned to you, is a big fan, and I happen to have my father right here. So welcome, Poppy. Oh. <laughs> hey. Hi, Randy. Hey, man. You are my hero. One day when I grow up, I want to be like you. <laughs> no, you, you don't. All right. Better off being you. All right. Believe that. Thank Let you. me show you something, okay? I got two of my racing helmets here. And I don't have your signature on, on the main one, which is this one. I got on the bottom what I call the indie row. I got Johnny Rutherford. I got uh, 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 Buddy Lazier. I got Andretti. I got everybody. So I gotta, I gotta right. get another indie uh, racer in there. So uh, Carlos, right. so I can send the helmet so you can sign it for me. <laughs> so my dad, yep. my dad used to live in Miami. Actually, so he just moved to Clearwater. Okay, I'm in Fort Lauderdale. Oh, you yeah, are really. We, we're actually we he th this gentleman right there raised me in Pembroke Pines. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Let me let me tell you a story about my racing career. When when I was a rookie was with SCCA, like my second race was in Sebring, and I almost had to stop because I started crying when I was when I was racing. I had the X. My car, it was like an RX7, first generation, and I got so emotional that I was in the same place where Matthew and Sterling Moss and all these guys used to race that, that I 
you know, I couldn't stop crying. I still get tears in my eyes now that I'm talking about that. But anyway, uh, it's so great to talk to you, man. Like I told you, I'm, I'm proud of you and I'm proud of my son and I'm very happy uh, that you're, uh, you're meeting with him. Thank you. Um, <laughs> pleasure to meet you guys and uh, about what's happening here in the cannabis industries. Now, race car drivers walk around with a ton of decals on their cars and on their on their jackets because of all the all the uh, sponsors that they had. But you were, you were self-sponsored, correct? Yeah, I was self-sponsored. Uh, some I owned from restaurants and stuff that I had going on here in Florida. But I was backing my own self. Uh, Racing against the factories, the Ford factories, the Jaguar, the Porsche factories. This was in sports car racing and what they oh called IMSA. We had a, uh, a season that was golden. Uh, I, so I could do as much testing as any of the factories. Uh, if I wasn't at the race car shop, I race track. And if I wasn't at either one of them, I was involved with bringing a load. Um, the, the, uh, the plant uh, helped me create and win a, a, a and it takes a team. It wasn't done just by myself. And in 1984, we won a national championship in what they call grand touring prototypes. And then from there. And that's pretty cool. So essentially marijuana was your sponsor. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> The week, the, look, the, this plant has amazing about how much it heals people in a multitude of ways, from chronic pain to multiple sclerosis to PTSD. But this plant has cracks like minded people. It, it actually helps heal the planet. So, this is what we have a nonprofit organization called freedomgrow.org. If you don't org, please check us out. We're all about helping cannabis prisoners and their families. We support them, and I'm just blessed to be involved with the, this organization. Yeah, I heard, uh, and, and I'm probably butchering the statistic right now. Uh, Gary can correct me. Um, but no, I heard this uh, crazy statistic that even though that marijuana legalization has been like sweeping the nation, that most states still have their arrest records still at the same area, right? That is correct. Yeah. So like, even if you legalize, you still get a lot of people being arrested for it. So like, I, it just, it, it makes no sense to me at this point. Like what the hell are we even doing here? Um, so there's yeah. a lot of people that even though cannabis, like you, you see something like that on the support cannabis prisoners at freedomgrow.org, right? There's still a lot of people getting arrested. Like this is an organization that's still severely needed. Yeah, thank you. We I just sat in a trial with myself and three other volunteers at freedomgrow.org. We, mm. None of us take a salary. Mm. We, we do all that just on that. I was just a keynote speaker in Mississippi. Uh, uh, just went really good, good, spreading about the cannabis prisoners and their families. But I just sat in a trial in Baltimore, Maryland, 27 years old. He'd been shipping some marijuana for from Northern California to Baltimore, they uh, arrested him. They, they, they had a, um, a 
106 of marijuana. And over the period of time, because it was over marijuana, he's facing 10 years to life. He got convicted. And so we go that far and the, the society about jury nullification. And that means if you're your conscience in a job, if you feel the crime doesn't fit the time, but yet the Department of Justice, the district attorneys refuse to a, not even let the defense attorney inform the jury that they have that right. Yeah, in, in Florida, jury nullification is nearly non-existent. Hey, before I go, I got to say something. Uh, I, I want to add something to the conversation here. I was raised, well, I am, uh, you know, a strong Catholic. I'm very active in, in the church and all that. I'm very conservative. And uh, when uh, Carlos told me that he was going to go to California to uh, get educated on marijuana and all that stuff, he was like, oh, my God, where are you like, hey, kid? So we were able to, to sit down. And uh, he really uh, educated both me and my wife. We were very nice. lucky that, that we did. And one, one of the things that really convinced me, we had a, a business in, in Hialeah, uh, air conditioning business selling big equipment. And there was one of the Canada moms that went over. We became friendly with some of them. And came over, and he, she brought over her son Bruno, uh, and uh, I wanted her to spend some time with my wife, talking to my wife. So I said, "Look, I'm going to hold Bruno for a while while you guys are talking, you know." And this little kid had, you know, in about an hour that I had him in, in my arms, he must have, have had at least a hundred seizures. Uh, when, when when I was holding him, and uh, when they started him on the medical marijuana, it went down from a hundred an hour to maybe one or two a day, and and that really really convinced the hell out of me. So uh, that's one of the testimonies that I have. I'm I'm still Catholic. I'm still a conservative. <laughs> I'm a, still a retrograde, but I'm all for legalization and and. You know the medical uses of the marijuana. Okay. Eso no regalo de Dios. Okay. Eso. What was that, Gary? What was that? It was a gift from God. Ah, as as I'm teaching yes. in Spanish. It's, Ooh, how do you say? It's, gift? it's a rough going. How do you say gift? Regalo. Re regalo de Dios. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, Bobby. <laughs> I love you more, my son. I'm proud of you. Thanks for coming on. Do you no. have any questions for Randy before you go? No, 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 no. Just uh, maybe one day I can I can sit down with you and you drive me around uh, Moroso or, or Homestead or something like that and give me a thrill. Okay? All right. Yes, sir. I love you. <laughs> I got to tell you, growing up in Miami, you have to have nerves of steel just to drive in the expressway. Yeah. In, in downtown Miami. So I can see how you could easily segue to, to race car driving from just – Everyday driving in Miami. Are you still driving, Randy? Do you still yeah, get behind the wheel I, of the car? I was, yes, I do. I, I was instructing, high performance driving instructor, up until COVID in 2020, and then all the tra uh -huh. instructed since then. But I, 
I want to just mention something because you guys are son. And my child in 1987, I contacted, I don't know if you guys know who that is. He's passed away. May you rest in peace. But Kevin Zeese, founders of, of, of Normal, he was the president of Normal in 1987. I contacted Kevin Zeese and asked him if he could help me have an evidentiary. His plant is a plant that heals. And it's cruel and unusual punishment not, and sentence someone to a natural death sentence for marijuana. So we had all in uh, doctors and experts, and we mapped it all out. Justice that it is definitely cruel and unusual punishment to sentence any in prison or marijuana. Well, it didn't fly. I took it to the Supreme Court, didn't fly, and to this day, they've still not ruled on is it cruel and unusual someone to natural death sentence for marijuana. And in my viewpoint absolute prison for this plan if, if, if you didn't pay your taxes charge for taxes sentence. but um other than distributing a plant and to lock them up for a life sentence that to me is cruel and unusual punishment and these laws and i see bills that are getting put on the, the floor and but they all say and that passed through the senate and that's a decriminalization, rescheduling bill. Why should it be hard, for real? It's a plant that heals. And like your dad, education is the key. I go to events uh, often. I do with doing California. Uh, we're doing Alaska this weekend. We have, a, uh, we have Alaska this weekend. We, we educate people and we ask people to sign our letters freedomgo.org we have letters to the president asking president Biden to release we have uh, non-violent cannabis prisoners that's registered with us and president Biden as many letters as we can and ask them to release these cannabis any ideas of how many lifers are still are out there Of, of lifers, there's a, a thousands of cannabis prisoners, mostly all nonviolent. And I I watched the system video, right? grow mm -hmm. from the 80s, 2014, and every cannabis prisoner I met was a nonviolent cannabis prisoner. And these people need to come home, and you guys can help us, uh, audience. Check out freedomgrow.org. We do programs, Gary, that is an amazing. We have a wish program. If you're a cannabis prisoner, if it's your birthday or your family's birthday, and I don't care if it's your grandchildren, your, all you have to do is tell us what you wish, and we make it happen. So it's basically it's an aid and comfort uh, situation for those folks who are desperately trying to get out and still trying to work through the system to get out. It's an aid and comfort, but it's also part of and, and feeling of value with your family. We like to try to keep the bonds in place. So, like, for example, uh, at Easter, every holiday we do gifting. At 26th 
prisoners we had had 126 children. So we made up for her skits with little water bottles that said, you are strong, strong, you are brave, and you are smart. We put That's little in the basket. We put, put in activity books. We put in um, chocolate, uh, jelly beans and all that. But we also added a $25 gift card to, to Walmart. Uh, same thing with Christmas. We had there, we had 205 Count two hundred and five one hundred dollar gift cards to Walmart and Target for the family's Christmas shopping with the with the kiddos. Mm -hmm. You're doing some great things, man. Thank it, you. We, we really we like, got to give it to you, man. The highlight. Uh, that's the thing. Is like I can tell you, if I ever went to prison, I'd probably be depressed for like a decade afterwards. <laughs> Like you, you, the fact that you came out of something like that and, and put, you were put in there for something so unjust and you're coming out and you're trying to help people and you're trying to spread the message. You're trying to spread education. Kudos to you, man. Cause we need people oh, like thank that. You. Yeah. Thank you. Um, uh, just to comment on what you just said, there's a lot of tough men in prison that go through depression. Mm -hmm. I go through loneliness. But my last nine years, I became what's called. I sat with men four hours a day that tried to take their life. Would put us in, I would, I would go to this hospital in a maximum security prison and actually glass sail with a big cement block that's a, a couple feet wide. And that's what their, that was their bed. They didn't have suicide mm. jacket with no arms in it. They only ate bag, bag lunches, utensils, because they might use the utensils to plop a vein or something. But, and loneliness that people go through. I sat with these people four hours a day up. They didn't get better. They would get sent to a psych hospital in Missouri penitent down mm -hmm. and it, it's sad to see because this speaking the third purpose and people that are conscious that we have all the tools within us to if you're looking for that you don't have to search for it it's within us and it's an amazing have by contemplating and really doing some inner work and it, it's ways to get over the depression and stuff by understanding blessed with all the gifts that we have and uh, we can change any circumstance by looking at it from a different perspective mm -hmm. well inspirational words my friend uh, thank you yeah um i i like i i can't imagine it's it's you you know what i mean like i'm i'm such a baby such a spoiled baby when it comes to stuff you know like if you know if, if i'm laying on a sock that's on my couch right i'm completely uncomfortable you know what i mean the the idea of somebody taking away my freedom um and, and giving taking it away for life like thinking like my freedom's gone for life 
it, it would destroy me. So, um, yeah, it's 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 important. It's important to take care of these people. These are still people behind bars. That uh, destroy us will only make us stronger and warriors. With the mm-hmm. we all have a warrior within us, and we can tap into that to how we others. And so, for my last nine years, I, I, I it took me eight. Uh, the the resentment I my my witness stand that I'm only hurting myself. And by forgiving all the people that testified, oh, oh, these were friends. These were family members. Uh, I forgave them uh, a lot of freedom off of my chest and shoulders. And I started understanding whether I'm in a seven by 10 foot cell locked in solitary confinement because in capability to, to be the observer of my own witness, own thoughts. And that's an amazing thing when you step back and start understanding what it is is that you're blown you are to be able to be aware of your own breath it, it, it's badass yeah I, I was told that in, in prison it's, it's often much it's pretty much an equalizer no matter what you came in there for everybody gets to a certain level they all know they're what they're in, they're in this together and in some cases you get you get a, a camaraderie and some folks get more angrier and some folks get calmer but they all kind of get to the same point and i guess you were also into mindfulness as well at one point in time where you started looking into yoga and things of that sort to try to get through it Jerry, look this path uh, i have no regrets i have some remorse regret and remorse is two different things regret is when you do shit that you don't like about yourself. regret because you should always love yourself remorse is when you do things that you don't like what you've done with with the prison going in, I became a yoga instructor, a Tai Chi, just learning to really be present and to that you have for being present and experiencing what you're experiencing in two years in solitary confinement, seven years altogether in solitary confinement. And in those moments standing that, you know what, I'm good if this door doesn't open. I can study my chest and my sit-ups and my workouts and I read my books and it doesn't matter where I'm at at the present. Now I picked up oil painting in the joint and now, like I, we we could be in the south of France painting. It doesn't matter because you're in the painting when you're painting for sale. You're just there present. So Randy, I want to take a moment to to talk about the book real quick. Yeah, uh, survival of uh, survival of the I fastest. fastest. You, I I understand you're sending us a copy. Um, when yeah. I go and I pick when I go and I pick it up and I start reading and I get to the back cover, what is it that you want me to learn? What is it that you want me to take away from the book? Well, if there's something from it that we all have. Have many gifts uh-huh. within us, and we all have to accomplish and be successful. And but successful for me isn't a ton of money. Oh, I've been there, done that, uh, accomplishing all my goals. But 
it's it's when your actions mirror you can be successful every day of your life if you're in your intentions and your intentions are coming from your heart or get successful and want to draw that kind of success to you because mm -hmm. everyone wants to be that's all it doesn't even matter if you were served a life sentence you can still be successful huh absolutely wow. doesn't look we're not at past bro we're none of that not our thoughts or emotions or none of that either we're a mm -hmm. portion of divine energy that's what we are mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. let me ask you a quick question because people are always asking this all the time uh, you were probably in, in in some kind of zone when you're going 120 miles an hour but uh people people often say you know that and, and we have to deal with this all the time when we're, when we're, we're debating folks whether or not people are able to drive better or worse when, when it comes to cannabis is concerned now of course a lot of the, one of the jokes is the fact that the, the average drunk will go through will go through a red light and they have no problem with it whereas somebody who's on, who's using cannabis will stop at a, a stop sign and wait for it to turn green <laughs> <laughs> look i never smoked weed in a race car i i but um Look, if, if I'm if I'm smoking, going to drive, I'm careful about it. Uh, unlike uh, drink alcohol, there there's so much accidents and domestic violence due to alcohol. Society looks at it and doesn't think anything negative towards it. And yet, this it, it's not even. It's not even that people don't think anything negative towards alcohol. It's literally if you say you don't, because I, I go to social events and don't drink. So like, I have to explain why I don't drink. Like, I don't want to consume <laughs> that drug. Like, it's so like, crazy. <laughs> but I'm sorry to cut you off. That's <laughs> all good. Um, smoking and the driving, but the drinking and the driving is two different things. You can't yeah. even compare. Unfortunately, this plant has had, had decades that should have never been in place, just like, like the war on drugs. This war on drugs, war on citizens, our own citizens. For decades, we've been locking people up, and it's just it's a plant. It's a plant mm -hmm. that heals. No one should be in prison for selling it illegally. Okay, pay your taxes. It's one of the few. It's one of the few things in this world that uh, hasn't hurt anybody. Only helped. It's only yes. ever helped, and yet it's still. It's we can't have it now. We just there's a report that came out this last week saying that the number one city in the, in the country for pedestrian deaths from autos is Daytona. Believe it or not, Daytona and Deltona. And I'm not saying this is a NASCAR thing, perhaps. <laughs> you know, aiming for pedestrians, but uh, it just it, it just seems like an odd coincidence that here we have you know one, one of the the centers of uh, of NASCAR racing right here in Florida, and it also happens to be one of the worst some of the worst drivers in the world, right <laughs> all around it. Wow, I didn't know that statistic. That's, That's kind of ironic. <laughs> 
or Orlando is, is in and Tampa are also in the top 10 as well. Yeah. But but De- Deltona and Daytona area is is the worst. So don't don't walk. So <laughs> in Daytona. So Randy, it looks like we're coming to so we're we're doing uh uh we've been doing this uh candidate spotlight thing or uh get to know your candidate. Yeah. And I changed the 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 thing for it. That's fine. Um, but uh, no, 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 no. So we've been doing this get to know your candidate thing, and this is one of the first time we have the interview actually recorded. So we're actually running to the end of your interview right now. Um, I just want you to take a minute. Just uh, can you uh, take a look into your camera? Let people know how they can uh, support you, where they can find you, things like that. So you can support us. Freedomgrow.org organization. Check my book out, Survival of the Fastest. Coming out. And freedomgrow.org. We support those and their families. Yeah. Any, any last words? Anything you want to say? Man, it's all good. I'll be in New Jersey growing weed soon. I just got a cultivation <laughs> license and this place platform for spreading the message uh, i love normal they was with me seven and just keep on doing what you're doing fantastic that that in new new jersey is actually giving out real social equity license licenses to those people who are disproportionately affected on the war on drugs and it's a horizontal license this is a cult this is a cultivation license so you don't have to go straight from seed to delivery and you can actually gain it for less than fifty million dollars. Yes, it's so a, I, a cultivation license. Very just to add on that, they can get a. You can if you've been impacted by the war on drugs, you can license that allows you to cultivate two thousand five hundred feet, or you can go up to tier three, tier four, uh, up to uh, seventy-five thousand square feet. Which is what I, I have. Well, Richard Delisi's really got, got a way. new one called Delicioso. Yeah, what, what, what have you have you already named your brand? Uh, yeah, yes, I'm. I'm on the point of looking at several brand octane cannabis. And, cannabis and because like of the racing i like cannabis <laughs> and um but i, I just want to know for any audience that may want if anybody wants to get involved in the cannabis industry uh, it's easy to find randy lanier free at yahoo.com i appreciate you randy thank you so much for coming on with us today thank you very interesting stuff appreciate all the work you've done uh you know just your life has has brought uh, uh, uh a lot of awareness to this plant so thank you so much man thank you yeah i wish my father-in-law was here to meet you he, he invented the uh nitrogen injection engine for the viper and to try to increase the oh. octane and get rid of the turbo <laughs> I see Poppy's still still watching there. <laughs> I keep on learning. That's what I gotta do every day, you know, and and make every day 
you know, a great day in my life. I am so lucky that I'm so blessed with my family, my son, my wife, everybody, everybody that I have around me. So thank you, Randy. You, you're a blessing too. I really enjoy listening to you. Thank you, bro. Happy <laughs> when we live with gratitude, it's amazing the abundance of people, the right people coming in their life, the right opportunities, a good, good foundation of gratitude and really, really being thankful for all that. It's a whole lot of better situations for us all. Thanks, Randy. Appreciate Randy. you. All right, on. Thank you, guys. So, so yeah, we've got this uh, this candidate spotlight after that amazing interview. Absolutely. Um, what what was that? I'm I have problems pronouncing her name. Okay, What's her name? this lady is Dr. Cynthia Vanier, and she is running uh, for Congress uh-huh. uh, over by the uh, Fort Myers area. Uh-huh. I keep on saying Fort Pierce, that's the wrong side of the state. Uh, uh, up against uh, Byron Donalds, who's a very interesting guy who still doesn't believe that uh, that Biden's the president yet. So it's an interest. It's gonna be an interesting race. There, uh, the way I'm just realizing right now, it's just basically gonna look like a woman's appeared in between us. So let's let's get the interview going. <laughs> Good afternoon and welcome to today's uh, segment of Better Know a Candidate. So strap on your thinking cap because we're going to fill it. What is it you said? Better know your candidate. Better know a candidate. Yes. I put candidate spotlight. That's good enough. Okay. (laughs) whatever works i mean it's catch as catch can we're we're coming up on the primary but some folks have been have been good enough not to have to have a primary and and this young lady between the two of us right now has had that opportunity this is uh dr cindy bonnier from fort pierce fort myers yeah I just said that so you could so you could correct me. <laughs> very different, very that's different. Right. Two, two different, yeah. That's on the other side. In congressional of the state district there, nineteen. That's right. Okay, there that's that's much more specific. I don't know anything about those districts. Okay, well, I, I can tell you one one thing. It, it's one of those ones that got gerrymandered the heck out of it and got changed around a bit. Mm, mm. And uh, her her opponent, the current uh, in, incumbent in that area, is a very interesting person <laughs> Let, let's put that to, to put it to to, uh, to byron donald he is okay with the gerrymandering even though it, it actually removed two districts that that uh, helped uh, elect two people of color and, and two very important people in our state as a matter of fact the wonderful al lawson who's far too tall for me and uh and also val demings who hopefully will be getting on the show pretty soon <laughs> how badly was your uh district changed when they went ahead and worked on that paperwork. So the biggest districts in, in that were changed, the biggest, biggest things that were changed in my district and 19, just for reference is goes Boca Grande all the way down to Marco Island includes Naples and Fort Myers. The, it didn't ultimately change a whole lot except for my opponent, Byron Donald's new house is now looped into the district. Oh, how nice. Oh yeah. Very convenient for that. Um, Does it come in landscaping? <laughs> 
<laughs> came with a little loop at the end. But otherwise, the uh, the Ron DeSantis map was really similar to the way that 19 had been before. And the, the map that had passed the Florida Senate was actually really appalling because it actually cut out half of Fort Myers and another area called Lehigh Acres, both where there's a very large black population, very large Hispanic population in those areas. And the line was literally down the train track, which was the segregation line in Fort Myers. Yeah, that's uh, the thing about Florida. We do have train tracks, and they are actually racial boundaries, yeah. especially in places like Coconut Grove and that kind of area on the other side of the state, things of that sort. So there's a train track, like, right there. Yeah, and, and I'm just, just wondering how... Uh, <laughs> it doesn't work that way Congressman anymore, Donald's though. actually there, got in no the first racial place. boundary between the train tracks anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, in Fort Myers, <laughs> the, the train track is so symbolic that uh, in the segregation era, people had to be, be on the other side of the train track before sunset. And the train station that was coming into Fort Myers was never actually formally desegregated right up until it closed in 1974. You know, I got to tell you guys, you know, switching gears from uh, the other side of the tracks here. Um, you know, we were talking about how districts are like redone and everything like that. I got to tell you, like, I'm you can really notice the difference in Florida uh, pre DeSantis, post DeSantis. <laughs> I, you know, and like, I don't really like, I don't even want to like, like point to anything specific, like maybe like, you know, all the homeless people out here in Ybor. But I, you know, I, you know, I just, just a general vibe, like, we just kind of like, People in general just kind of feel like defeated, I think, and just kind of like are like falling for this system and everything. Like, we got to change this because there's going to be no marijuana reform while DeSantis is in power. That's true. See, here's my idea. Let's just get a, get rid of congressional districts altogether. <laughs> well, actually have them real, have them there. But when you get to the, the uh, ballot box, you can check off which districts you want to vote for. So you don't have to vote in just your area because they don't really receive represent go. their own constituents anyway. Yeah. So let's say, yeah, I want to vote on 19. I want to vote on 12. I definitely want to get to, uh, you know, voting on one and, and going on from there. And, and uh, that would that's to be that would be a really, really open primary. I would like to see some of the reforms that were uh, put forth in the John Lewis uh you know, Elections Act, and that is to make the districts more competitive because that will eliminate gerrymandering in places like my district. What we have in Florida is they're stacking districts. So we have extremely Democratic districts. We have extremely Republican districts uh -huh. and very few districts in between. Uh -huh. If we had a more equitable way to split those up, then people would have more of a choice. And voting in local elections, voting in congressional elections would feel like it matters. Mm -hmm. Well, our legislature is, is the one who sets up the, uh, the the state legislature sets up the, the federal congressional districts. I guess that's that's supposed to be like one separate uh, one degree of separation, so they're not actually gerrymandering their own districts. But then again, they do that for the state districts anyway. So, well, I mean, they gerrymandered all of them. They they get and this happens with every organization, every party that's in power gerrymanders in their favor. So that's why the, having a federal law that says you have to make the districts as equitable as possible is a good idea and then states have to comply to that they can draw the lines wherever they want but they they have to make them equitable and fair districts all right well this is where it's leading up 
I tell the folks exactly where 19 is now, so we'll know who out there can actually vote for you and who can't. So the guys know whether, whether to listen really, really closely or to listen you know, to something in the archive in your brain, but definitely send money to your, your, your campaign yeah, anyway. Definitely send money. I'm big into the green. So um, <laughs> we are Southwest Florida. So we do Quake Coral, Lehigh, Sanibel, Fort Myers Beach, Fort Myers, Estero, where Fort, uh, Florida Gulf Coast University is, Bonita Springs, and Coastal Naples and Collier. So Bonita Springs is where the white folks come in. Almost all of it is where the white folks come in because they cut most of the black <laughs> yeah, folks out of the district. So. But, but, but you don't go as high as Puerto Gorda, though. So. No, right up to the edge of, of Charlotte County. So, so what is the makeup of your district as far as the Republican, Democrat, uh, NPA, or Hispanic, black, white? So we have a less than average amount of folks who are black in the community. In the district itself, um, we have about 35 to 40% people who identify um, you know, as Latino of some kind, um, but otherwise we're into the, you know, we're into the 90% of folks who are white. So it's very white and it's also um, very Republican. So mm -hmm. Democrats are, we're at about 34, 35% right now. Um, and we have more NPAs than Democrats and more Republicans overall. It's very much stacked in the favor of Republicans. Well, I'll, I'll give you a, a boost right now and, and let everybody know that, um, actually, I, I'm gonna keep that a secret until to the end. Uh, but go, go, ahead, go ahead and tell us about yourself and, and why you feel that you'd be the best person for that district. So, you know, my name is Dr. Cindy Banier. I am Democratic nominee, and that's a big deal. I was the 2020 nominee, um, and I won that nomination because I am a regular person. I am a mom and small business owner fighting for our water, our health, and our community, and I'm working to create a Southwest Florida where the sun shines on everyone. And when I talk about that, I'm talking about making sure that everybody has the fair shake, that we are designing a government that makes it a priority that everybody has the same chance to work hard and have a good quality of life. So very cool. And, you know, I just want to point out that like, you can't really tell from uh, the recording, but you know, you, you've had a little bit of an injury and you've, you've traveled all the way over here to Ybor city to talk to two schlubs about marijuana. <laughs> oh, yes. You want me to tell you about that? That's a good story, actually. Yeah, what happened? So I have a, my leg is broken in three places, and I had um, oh, no. reconstructive surgery on my ankle because over Memorial Day, we were enjoying the beautiful beaches with some friends and family, and we were about to leave, and the tide started to pull out, and my youngest daughter, who's five years old, started to get pulled under the boat by the tide, and I jumped over the side of the boat. You saved your daughter. I saved my daughter and my friend's daughter, pulled them both to shore, oh, no. and immediately knew that I broke my leg. So and well, was... that's incredible. That's like a really cool story. So I want to share with you some information that I'm privy to about uh, medicine that med medical marijuana is actually really good for pain. Yeah. And I'll actually tell you something about that. I was thinking a heck of a lot about that because, you know, they prescribed me opioids uh -huh. for this. And, um, you know, I you know, don't do a lot of stuff like that. And so I was in a significant amount of pain. I was taking those opioids. And in the early days, it was such, I was such a mess, it didn't matter. But I actually ended up going through withdrawals at really? one point. Yes. It was such a shock to me because, again, you know, here I'm Pollyanna. The doctor told me to take this medicine to help me with the pain. And, um, and it was a case where it's like early on I had taken a lot and then 
about a week later, I had taken another opioid pill because the pain started to come back. And I took that one. And then the next day I was in full D DTs, um, you know, chills and all that kind of stuff. And I couldn't believe it. And um, it's really scary that we are not having a better and a more robust discussion about the types of pain medications that people can have. So, you know, they do not get addicted to opioids and they do not go through withdrawals every time that they have an injury. Well, let's, let's talk about that right now. Let's talk about that. <laughs> your no. district was actually one of the ground zeros in Florida for the opioid epidemic. Absolutely. It was, that was right in Lehigh. They were pill mills more than we can count. Hmm. And I actually spent some time with a uh, with a recovery community organization there, so helping people who are, have addiction and getting back into recovery and the multiple paths to recovery. And, and it's devastating to our community, to families. Um, and I, I just really think it's important that we have other types of therapeutic medicines that can help people when they're in pain. So the doctors aren't just handing out scripts and definitely getting rid of the, the pill mills and the people who are just handing them out, knowing that these folks are, you know, having addiction problems. And of course, the side effects of, of using cannabis for pain you you may sleep in or you may uh, lose some sleep running to the refrigerator to see how much hummus is left uh but but you you won't have withdrawal symptoms no not the physical the physical withdrawal that you get from opioids which how, is great how long has florida had medical marijuana now we've been uh a medical marijuana state for since, since january 17th of 2017 was when it first got Two, 2017 we've had medical marijuana available right so like uh, uh is there any type of information out there about how how it's affected the the opioid crisis here in florida has that come out at all like do not a lot uh, our one of our directors of normal uh, paul armentano uh has written a couple of papers on it and there was there's been information going back to the 1880s talking mm. about how to use cannabis for what they called opioid poisoning at the time really so the research goes that far back mm. and, it, and it does verify that it does work as a substitute to to uh, it brings uh, the the opioid poisoning into into detail so that you can actually get through it and get off the opioids, mm. which is so important. Mm -hmm. They also use that at that point in time for remediation of alcoholism as well as an adjunct mm. therapy. Hmm. Well, I'd be interested to see how uh, what how uh, medical marijuana has impacted uh, the opioid crisis in the state, and uh, maybe like uh, you know, if big cannabis is on in charge of a medical marijuana system, how that's impeded uh, any type of like. Uh, you know, a, a, a drawback between the opioid crisis. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't yeah. know if I'm saying like using my words correctly. The thing about podcasting, you gotta like say words right. Yeah, that's, true. Right. And that's so hard for me. Well, you, know? what, you can't slur your words. <laughs> what I do know, what I do uh -huh. know is that's that why we. I through, especially through the, the COVID epidemic or the COVID pandemic, we actually saw an uptick overall in opioid use yeah. um, and an uptick in deaths related to uh, overdose. Um, we also have the fentanyl components that are coming in that are making opioid use so much more dangerous. People don't even realize that they're going to, you know, that they are taking such a powerful drug because it's mixed in mm -hmm. when they're using street drugs and, and they, they, die. Um, the organization I work with uh, was uh, distributing Narcan for that purpose, right? Um, so I think 
I don't know if there's going to be a great correlation in the state of Florida between the the legalization of medical marijuana and uh, opioids because of the circumstance. Mm -hmm. But what I can tell you from my personal experience and from what I know from data as well is that doctors aren't readily prescribing medical marijuana um, in the same way that they're prescribing other pharmaceuticals. Like I said, this, this, you know, my leg yeah. might have been a case where that could have been an option or something that my doctor talked to me about, but that wasn't if what you happened. didn't have to, because doctors have to uh, be registered to recommend in the state. So if every doctor had that available, right. if, if you broke your legs, Cindy, you should uh, smoke a blunt. Now, <laughs> this, this is something that's going to be important to our, our readers. Uh, when you go to DC, see how I got uh, what that is in a positive. When you go to DC, yeah, I, you will find that uh, the the pro cannabis movement is actually bipartisan, both in the yep. House yeah. and the Senate. Yep. Yeah. We actually had on here not too long ago, <clears throat> Congresswoman Nancy Mace, who's made an incredible bill uh, from from the Republican side that's getting bipartisan support, and it may actually get through the the House but it may be blocked in the Senate again because of leadership issues. Uh -huh. But what what things will you be bringing to to, to D.C. to uh, get us farther into getting those kind of things passed? Well, my personal stance and my, my policy stance is that I believe in full uh, decriminalization. I believe in uh, expungement of, of possession records going back. And I think that that will have the dual effect of helping our you know, legal system, judicial system, criminal justice system get on a good path and it will stop putting people who are simply enjoying cannabis and uh, all the related products to it, um, keep them out of the judicial system. It will help our communities overall. Um, I also wanna make sure that, you know, declassifying it as a, was a schedule three, uh, you know, drug in, making sure that the banking systems can help support the, the industries that are behind it. So mm. it's making those federal changes because the states now are in lots of different positions with recreational and medicinal cannabis, but there are still issues with how those businesses can be funded. So making sure that the businesses and not just a handful of select businesses, by the way, and I know that you were alluding to that with the, the big cannabis uh, comment, but uh, that there are people who can have homegrown, there are small business operators, because I'm a big small business proponent, can get into the industry without major a barrier or something at the federal level. Well, Cindy, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, so we've reached where, where we at. We're, we're at like the 16 minute mark. Um, and time on these interviews is, is very important. So I want to go ahead. 17, the guy with the axe comes around swinging. So it's... <laughs> There's literally that, that thing that hook will come and pull Gary off. Um, but <laughs> go ahead, take a moment from the Apollo theater. Yeah, absolutely. Take a moment to look into the camera there and, uh, tell people who you are, um, any last words you want to put out and how, where they can find you, how they can support you. Absolutely. So I gave you the, the, the typical spiel, but I, you know, I am somebody who spent their entire life working for the people, making sure that our communities are strong. I am an instructor in American government and political science at a university, and I have the knowledge and skills to go to Washington, D.C. to make the policy that we need 
to help people in this community in our state and in the country. So I'm Dr. Cindy Banier. I'm running for U.S. House of Representatives Florida 19 in Southwest Florida. I can take and would love to have your assistance from all over the state and the country um, because I am 100% grassroots candidate. I do not take uh, corporate dollars. I do have I have no dark money in my <laughs> pockets. It's really just me and the people and our community coming together behind me. So I would love to have your support. If you want to do some virtual uh, volunteering, we do that as well. CindyBanier.com. Um, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok, and uh, just about everywhere else. Now, as a personal aside, I am just thrilled to see that somebody who is actually a professor, a, a PhD in political science, actually going to, to, uh, to DC because we actually have people like Herschel Walker and, and, and Dr. Oz who are, who are running for office in the Senate, <laughs> whose who major political uh, acumen comes from the back of a cereal box somewhere. And I don't think that that, that cereal was any good anymore. I think it passed its expiration date. Right. I, it's, it's, I tell people that I'm running for Congress because so many people, I, every, the dumbest people I knew were in charge and I just couldn't take it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, thanks for joining Absolutely. us, Cindy. Appreciate you. <laughs> and we're back. Well, that was a great interview. Yeah, you, you guys caught Gary was still chilling. <laughs> I, I was chilling at chilling. I, I was just mentioning the fact that, you know, we, we had both Nikki and Charlie on mm -hmm. as, as the two gubernatorial candidates going at it. And today is our first and one and only debate. And it's actually running during the same time that the, uh, the January 6th committee hearings are, are going on, which Whoa. is bad programming. Bad, Wait, so bad like programming. Two things in Florida government are happening right now. What's the what's the one might think if somebody didn't want us to watch them? Crazy. <laughs> I, it's, an, it's an important thing because I, I think our governor will really ha have a lot to do with whether or not we actually get legalization done. But that's also the thing is that in order to get rid of the powerhouse that is DeSantis, not saying that I like DeSantis, I'm going to put up DeSantis as an asset while we're doing this um but um not saying that i like the sanus i don't i want the sanus out of power but like he's a fucking powerhouse like if we're going to get somebody to replace him especially a democrat like we have to be able to see these debates like people have to know what's going on and people have to like I, I, these people need money. <laughs> yeah, they do. <laughs> like they need money. They need support. It looks like they're not getting it. <laughs> yeah, we, need, we need somebody like John Fetterman who's willing to go ahead and just throw tons of like massive Twitter issues uh -huh. <laughs> at his at his opponent, which uh -huh. has been really cool because he's been beating the heck out of Mehmet Oz. Uh, you've seen any of those kind of things. Who's who's he doing? What? Doctor Oz. Oh, he's, he's, he's running against Oz. for Senate in, in Pennsylvania. And we are trying to get John Fetterman on here. I'm still working on that. Yeah, you're getting a lot of people on. Yeah, we we do. Uh, we just recently uh, hooked. Uh, what I was trying to tell you, take a take a chill pill on the candidate spotlight. We got like three of them recorded, and yeah, we, <laughs> yeah, we have so many legislators to go. I just wanted to concentrate a bit on the uh, primaries before the primaries come up. Not everybody has a primary. A lot of folks that, uh, were either the only candidate or there was nobody running. Uh, as a Democrat or a Republican, so uh -huh. there aren't as many primaries this time as there are usually. We we I, essentially, I think we should just take the next show and just show all the 
do and do an interview on top of it. Well, we we, we got like because we got a lot of interviews saved up. Anyways, we could plan the show when we're not doing the show. <laughs> yeah, we, we we could do that. Now this Sunday we are going to be replaying the uh, this this interview right here. This one because he's going to Vegas. Uh, uh, I think uh, it's Chris is what when been deported to Spain. Yeah, he's he's uh, living living the high life with his his wife right now in España. España. Yeah. And so he'll be back after that. And when they get back, we're going to have uh, Aramis Ayala, who's running for the attorney general. Oh, wow. And she has a primary against uh, two very interesting people, including this guy named Ufelder, who, if you may remember or not, uh, during the time that they started opening up the beaches too early, uh, he was walking around the beach in a grim reaper uniform mm -hmm. or costume. Hmm. <laughs> that's, that's the kind of seriousness <laughs> we need in the attorney general's office. Well, I mean, uh, it's, nowadays anything can happen. We're we're living in the aftermath of Trump. Like we had a uh, a president that likes to to grab him by the pussy. So I mean, I don't. Well, this 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 might interest you. I don't think uh, it's that bad considering Ms. the president. Ms. Ayala was the state uh, attorney for uh, the Orange County area, and she refused to allow the death the the death sentence the death penalties. Good, and that made. Uh, Rick Scott really angry. At I'm sure, <laughs> as you can imagine. So, um, yeah, I, I, I guess, uh, um, I, 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 you know, we've got all these interviews that have have happened. I guess we're we're it's time to end the show. <laughs> yeah. So don't forget, if you want to be a member of Sun Coast Normal, kick it in. Kick yeah. it in. Twenty five dollars, and you'll get a famous, fa our fabulous little pin here, which is. You didn't wear the jacket today. I, I didn't wear the jacket today. You know why? Because yeah. it's goddamn hot out. And there's no that's a bag of screws. It's, it's a bag a of pin. screws. I thought it was a, I thought it was a pin. But it, it's damn hot out. My air conditioning is out in the house. It's just 90 degrees. Damn. It, it, it's Florida, right? That's why you don't want to end the show. You don't want to go home to your hot house. That's right. It's nice and cool here in Chillum. <laughs> it is CBD glass gallery with some of the coolest stuff you could buy, too. Well, here you know what let's not even like like persuade people with that you know if you want these awesome interviews with people like randy lanier if you want to keep getting educated with all these candidates that that support cannabis in the state if you want to see people like tommy chong and um on, you know whatever charlie chris and nikki freed and all that right support us support us this guy gary does all this shit for free Right, not and, not willingly, and he is extremely cheap. <laughs> he is extremely cheap, and he still does it for free. <laughs> and um, you know, and, and that that's quite honestly, like, uh, if you want to know what you'd be supporting if you support Suncoast Normal, you're going to support Gary, because <laughs> Gary uh, has been putting a lot of effort into yeah we, uh, we, we, getting we, education your way, and he's also put a lot of effort into uh, being politically active. You know, our normal chapters, the most politically active normal chapter this guy has helped write so so many bills right um and still doing it for free so if you want to continue keeping the lights on here at suncoast normal you know support us become a member if you want legalization you can't do it sitting on your couch with an indicate you have to actually get up and do something we, we want your talent or your treasure or your time but we do want you yeah so on that note, let's just let's end the show. All right. In that case, puff, puff, and pass. Yeah. It's we'll, time to end this location, this rotation. We'll see you in a couple of weeks, guys.
Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. This has been The Rotation, and you have been a part of it. You can be a bigger part of it by joining Suncoast Normal. Suncoast Normal is an organization that can help you make the change that we all need. Go to the Suncoast Normal website and become a member, because that is how you become part of the change. You can find The Rotation podcast on both SoundCloud and iTunes. But you can always join us in the rotation at suncoastnormal.org. At that very website, you can join the cannabis movement by becoming a member of Suncoast Normal, gain access to cannabis events, cannabis info, Normal's legal network, and even a free membership to National, all by joining Suncoast Normal. That website, again, is suncoastnorml.org. You can also find us on social media at Suncoast Normal. Uh, Find us on both Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And thank you, Gary. And good night. Good night.